Whether you're in your smart car avoiding Hummers or you're in your house avoiding the J-Dubs, there's no avoiding us, The Drew Marshall Show, live through our website and right here on Joy platinum recording artist and has won ACM's Female Vocalist of the Year, CMA's Video of the Year, named one of People Magazine's 50 Most Beautiful People, and was the first country star to compete in ABC's Dancing with the Stars. And now she's written her first book called The Sweet By and By, also available as an audio book with Oasis Audio. Here's a little quote from Sarah. All my songs tell a story, but this one's special. My first novel, a story about Jade, her search for real love, her uh, one-eyed mutt, her hippie mother in quirky vintage shop. It's about looking backward while moving forward, about chasing dreams, endless country roads, and tender faith. A breath of fresh air that'll take you away and leave your heart humming a song of joy. Folks, she's joining us all the way from... Actually, I don't know where the heck she is. Where are you right now? I'm in uh, basically Atlanta, Georgia. Do you even know where you are? You are on the road and going crazy and all over the place. I do not know where I am, and it's so funny because your um, intro, you know, coming out of your break, and it said if you're in your smart car avoiding the Hummer. Yeah. And I drive a Hummer. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, did he direct that at me? Did he just say that? How does he know? That's exactly. How does he know? Well, we have seven kids, and that is like the only vehicle that fits all of our children and is not a minivan. <laughs> well, I can at least congratulate you on not getting a minivan. Thank you. Well done. Well done. No, I, I will not ever, ever, ever get a minivan, even though they're so much more convenient. Right. And as Jerry would say, not that there's anything wrong with that. No, there is. There is a lot wrong with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want to take a little online test. Are you ready? Okay. Mm-hmm. okay, here we go. What gives Sarah the energy to get through her daily routine? Is it bubble gum, lots of Starbucks coffee, don't give me the answer, chocolate, or working out? I'm going to say... Mm, I don't know. You, you're in pretty good shape, at least from the photos I've seen. Uh, chocolate or Starbucks? I'm going to go with Starbucks. I think you're a, you're a caffeine case. You know, there are actually two correct answers in that. It is lots of Starbucks and working out because I play sports like, you know, there's no tomorrow. Right. And, uh, I mean, I truly believe this. You can be having the most awful day ever, and then you can go out and exercise and Work up a sweat, and your entire outlook on life changes. Wow. Listen to me now. Hear me later. That was very good. <laughs> on which TV reality show was Sarah? By the way, this is on Great American Country website. I just found it, and I thought, well, this is corny, but we're going to do it. On which TV reality show was Sarah a contestant? Dancing with the Stars, American Idol, Rock of Love, So You Think You Can Dance. Um, I'm going to go with Dancing with the Stars because that was in your intro. Yes, it was in the intro. That was an easy one. Yeah. Even I knew that one. Even you. I had Marie Osmond on, uh, I don't know, a few months ago. And Boy, speaking of Marie, boy, has she not gone through a, a tough time lately. Man. Oh, my gosh. 
my gosh. I mean, my heart is just breaking for her. Yeah. Yeah, folks, if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, Marie's, I think, 18-year-old son um, was suffering with depression for a long time, and uh, it looked like he, he threw himself over a balcony and, and took his life. So tough, yeah. tough thing to go through. Yeah, un- unimaginable. Which one of these songs was the first number one hit for Sarah Evans, No Place That Far, Born to Fly, Suds in the Bucket, Coal Mine? Actually, from a distance, it looked like cocaine, but I don't think you did that song. <laughs> Uh, which one? Oh, hold on. I have to guess, because you're kind of new to my scene. My wife loves you. She's into the country music, and I'm a blues, jazz, soul kind of guy. So I'm going okay, to so guess. I'm going to go with, um, I know Suds in the Bucket, because that name sticks out for me big time, because I'm a pint head. Um, <laughs> no place that far? You're correct. Daggum, I'm good. That is right. That was my first number one record. And who says dead gum? Uh, Sarah says this is, especially Canadian, this is one thing she does to pamper herself. Get a pedicure, get a massage, sleep 12 hours, eat a gallon of ice cream, or spend a lot of deep and meaningful time with someone special. <laughs> no, that wasn't on the quiz. Um, I was like, there are five answers to that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with ice cream. No, 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 no. I don't do, like, food is, is never, like, a comfort to me. Like, okay eating chocolate or eating ice cream because it always makes me, I mean, it's too stressful afterwards. Like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I did that. Yeah. You know, I'm fat. Yep. Um, so this I never is, do that. But this I, is going to go right to my hips. I do enjoy a nice glass of white wine. Uh-huh. Or, um, but my the main thing that I do to pamper myself is I do get massages. I feel like massages are so important because um, nice. I have a bad back and, you know, on and on. So, yep, yep. Yeah. That's mine as well. That's the same thing for me. Uh, I feel like a million bucks after a good. Uh, my therapist beats the snot out of me, though. Yeah, mine too. Okay, that's she good. really hurts me. Yay for Olga. Uh, how many pairs of shoes do you own? Man, there's no way you could own more than Kathy Lee. So I'm going to say 25. Um, I would probably say. Hold on, hold on. I forgot to give the answers. 5, 25, 100, or 300? I mean, I would probably say it's around 100. Really? I mean, I'm, you know, it's not extravagant. And it, it it goes in cycles, you know. Like there will be times when I have a ton of shoes, and then and then I give everything away to my sisters, <laughs> and I have like you know twenty pairs, and then I'll build it back up. Nice. But I'd probably say I have a hundred pairs of shoes right now. It's funny you said, oh, it's probably around a hundred. It's not that outrageous or something like that. Really, a hundred pairs? That's not that insane. I guess not. Well, you know, I, because wardrobe is a part of like what I need to do business. Right. You know, and so, so I just consider that a, a, a necessity. So if you can write it off, go big or go home. Exactly. Okay, got it. Sarah says she's able to write better when she's in this emotional state. Angry, happy, sad, confused. I actually am the most creative when I'm sad. So I'm going to say I, sad. I am the most creative when I'm happy. Oh. Because if I'm stressed, when I was, you know, going through my divorce and stuff, I couldn't write anything good because... I just was too stressed. Like, I, I couldn't put my focus there. And so if I'm really happy and my world is great and I know my family is, you know, great and um, things are good, then I can write a sad song. You know, I can yeah. write a really great lyric. That's weird. I know. I'm weird. Yep. I just can't be distracted with stress. <laughs> okay. Which one of these qualities does Sarah say her mom instilled in her? I think I know this one. A can-do attitude a low-key approach to life, a strong work ethic, a talent for singing. I'm going to say a strong work ethic. Absolutely. Yep, I did my research. Yep. She's the hardest worker I've ever known, and I, I uh, aspire to be like her. 
All right. Uh, I think we're near the end of this. Uh, how many children are in the combined family of Sarah and husband Jay Barker? We all know it's seven. She is septo mom. Yes. <laughs> Uh, which, I am Septomom. Which company did Sarah record a jingle for in 2008? Again, I know this, Libby's. That's right. Because you are a Libby's lady. I did a campaign, a, a, about a two-year campaign with Libby's to, um, A, to help them sell vegetables, but B, to encourage people to get back to the dinner table because, you know, so many families don't eat together these days and so many women don't cook anymore. And I'm a big cook, and I'm really, really big on, on dinner time together as a family. So... That was a really good fit for me, and and so they asked me to re-sing the Libby's jingle, which I did. Nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, final question. What's the title of Sarah's 2010 novel, A Real Fine Place to Start? A sec- Wait a minute. That's the song I just played, so it's not that one. A Second Chance at Love, No Place That Far, or The Sweet By and By? And because I am Drew Marshall, the answer is The Sweet By and By. <laughs> And that is the only reason, because you are Drew Marshall. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I'm glad that uh, Great American Country website has done my research for me. Thank you for your time, Sarah. It was great to talk to you. You are so welcome. <laughs> Man, um, I, I had no idea that you were all that in a bag of chips. One word to describe Jay Barker. Oh, my gosh. Um, solid. Wow. Are you talking about his pecs? I'm talking about from head to toe, inside and out, solid, because he has an, an amazing body because, you know, he's an ex-quarterback. And so he has residuals from from that. And um, I mean, he's just lucky. He's just lucky. He's really big and muscular. and um, But he's solid inside, too. He is a solid guy. Nice. Everything about him. Uh, the The inquiring minds want to know this. Which baseball glove was it? It was. We both had Coopers, and you know what? We have we have lost them, and what? I think it's because I think I, I ended up selling this this car that I was driving, and I think that we they were in the left trunk. them in the car because we can't find them anywhere. But they were Coopers, and mine was the glove that I had since high school, and his was one that he had had forever, also. And and we both had our names written in the same exact spot. Isn't that weird? It is weird. I, I remember when I was in grade seven. I sat in the um, in the um, what's the what's that uh, place where you go and, and and look at the stars? Planetarium. Uh, yes, the planetarium. That's it, Sarah. And I was sitting beside a girl named Linda Sagmeister, <laughs> and, and our arms touched. You know, it was mm-hmm. like you're very aware of ooh. And she didn't move away, and I didn't move away. And this was the moment you had, except it was with baseball gloves and the where you signed the name the same. Did you really get all gooey about that fact? Oh, we have the same gloves. Oh, look, our name is in the same spot. We thought it was funny. You know, we were like, oh, my gosh, that is so weird. And, you know, so we just we thought it was funny more than anything. But we had been talking on the phone and emailing, you know, for two or three weeks prior to meeting in person. And so... I already knew I loved this man. I mean, I just I just didn't realize how gorgeous he was until I saw him in person. So a marriage counselor hooked you two up? Was this the same person who was counseling both of you separately? Yes. Mm-hmm. He, Isn't that um, against the law? No. <laughs> <laughs> what happened was he, um, Jay and I went through very similar situations, and um, some friends of his suggested that he counsel with this guy. And so he counseled with him alone because um, his ex-wife refused to go to counseling. And so he went ahead and met with him alone, and and um, he drove to Birmingham to see Jay. He's from Nashville. And then I had counseled with him a, a bunch. Um, 
you know, doing marriage counseling and doing counseling with him on my own, you know, trying to walk through all of this stuff. And he's a he's a great Christian counselor, and he has like a, a 77% success rate with, you know, over the last 10 years, you know, with saving these marriages that come to him that are in trouble. And so he, you know, he he waited until after our, both of our divorces were final, which our divorces were final on the same day, which is so weird, and we wow. never met. And um, he said, you know, I just, I, I don't ever do this, and this is the first time I've ever done it, but I know in my heart that you are supposed to meet each other, and if nothing else, you need to be friends, because I've never met a man and a woman who are more alike than you and Jay. You're giving me shivers here. I know, and we are. I mean, he is the male version of me, and I'm the female version of him, and we are like twins. It's it's the weirdest thing. I've been told by a couple people who, who know y'all that if if you were to walk around and follow you two, and uh, the displays of love would just be sickening. It is kind of sickening, yeah. And I just, you know, the thing that's so wonderful about Jay is that he is, you know, he's a very godly man. He's very, like I said, he's very solid. He's very confident. He is an amazing father, and um, he treats me like a queen, but at the same time, he's very strong with me, yeah. you know, and... And he's a man. I mean, he is a man's man. He leads our home. He's not a wimp. No. You know, so you um, didn't you didn't end up marrying Hallmark Harry. No, not at all. And and you know he stands up to me and and he challenges me and you know because I have a really big personality and I'm a celebrity and and you know I I make my own money and you know I have this career and and um he is absolutely the perfect counterbalance to yeah. every aspect of of who I am and he's literally the best friend I've ever had in life. Eight months after your first date, y'all got hitched. And uh, did all those little figurines of you and Jay and all the kids end up, like, staying on the wedding cake without falling over? No, we ate them. Oh! Well, yeah, they stayed on the wedding cake until it was time to cut the cake. Right. And then the plan was for all of us to take off our own um, people and eat them. Yikes. And it was really cute. We have pictures of it. The kids loved it. And, you know, we did the whole dating thing right, I believe, um, because... We told the kids for, for the longest time that we were just buddies and that we were just hanging out as friends. We never displayed affection in front of them. And then eventually my son and his sons started saying, you know, Dad, you should ask. They were like, you should ask Miss Sarah out on a date. And he was like, yeah, Mr. J, you need to ask my mom out. And we were like, are you guys serious? Well, we were already madly in love. You know, <laughs> Are you serious? you think we should date? And so we made a big deal out of our very first date. And... We did it when we had all the kids together one weekend, and we said, "Well, we're, we are going to go out on a date. We have grandmother's coming over to babysit, and we're going to we're going to do it." And so they thought it was their idea, and they still think that. Classic, classic yeah. stuff. Fried chicken, mac and cheese, right by the lake. Did it go down good? It was amazing. It was yeah, fried chicken, macaroni and cheese, um, just everything country that you can imagine eating. And the kids absolutely loved it. We had squash casserole. We had rolls with Beautiful. butter and. Did you have Monell's cater it? That is one of the best restaurants I have ever been to in my life. Monell's in Nashville. Good. No, night. we had a place called Constant Craving. Oh yeah, okay, all right. Cater it, yeah. and um, it was amazing. But the, it was at the lake. We danced. I mean, I was Jay and I danced together the entire night. It was not one of those weddings where you know, bride and groom go off and dance with other people. I mean, we danced with our kids, but he and I literally danced the entire night. And I will say this about Jay that that people don't know. He can he can shake his booty. Yes. Yeah. I'm telling you, he he doesn't dances. he doesn't he doesn't do the white man's overbite. No, he is like Justin Timberlake. Come on. 
I'm not even exaggerating. I'm not. He could be like a backup dancer for a huge pop artist. <laughs> he, I mean, I don't know what it is. I think it's all those years in the locker rooms with his soul brothers yeah. and, you know, yeah. jamming. <laughs> Avery walked you down the aisle? He did. That is, like, I'm, I'm a guy, all right? I don't get into this mushy stuff, but that almost brought a tear to my eye. He did. You know, my parents divorced, and both of my parents remarried, and I don't think that they really did the second marriages that well. I mean, they didn't they didn't really consider us because they had never been through divorce themselves. And so it, there were a lot of things about my parents' um, second marriages that were very stressful for us, very tense and, you know, just uncomfortable and made us sad. And so I was determined that that would not – those feelings would not happen for my stepchildren and for my children. And so, you know, we just talked and thought about every way that we could make them comfortable and happy. And so Jay walked out um, with his kids. They were all holding hands. We had a blanket for them to sit on so they wouldn't have to, like, stand there and fidget and be uncomfortable. And then and then Avery and Olivia and Audrey walked me down the aisle. And um, people were sobbing. I mean, they literally were <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that would have done me in, too. They of course. couldn't. I mean, they just couldn't stand it. And, and plus, I served Chardonnay before the wedding. Oh, good move. To loosen everyone up, you know. <laughs> and, uh, so they were sobbing. But, the, you know, the counselor who brought us together, he actually married us. Oh, and good. he said, um, who gives this man to be married to this woman? And Jay's children said, we do. And then vice versa. Sweet. With me. And, and it was, yeah, I almost can't even say it. It's so touching. Just a moment, everybody. Just take a moment. Okay, we're back. Uh, did did Jay end up giving you that letter on the day of the wedding? And can you read it right now? I don't have it right oh. now, but he did give me the letter. And he gave me some diamond earrings. And I wore them in the wedding. And um, his letter was very sweet. You know, he's, a, he's, he's just... Jay is just so cool. You know what I mean? He's not overly gushy. He's not cheesy. But he also says enough that it really touches you. And... Um, I think you just said something about, you know, I, I just can't believe that I've met my best friend in life and, you know, and we wrote our own vows. Cool. Well and, done. Yeah. Which one of your brothers is Jay the most like? He is the most like my brother, Jay Evans. Oh. They are very similar. And that's one of the things that drew me to him was that he reminded me of both my brothers very much. He's Jay is very maternal, if that makes sense. Like yes. he's a He's a great father. He's one of those dads that, like, he can really dress his kids cute. It's not like, you know, where the little girl shows up Raggedy. for something and she looks like a rag doll and, yeah. and the mom's like, oh, that's because dad dressed her. <laughs> you know, Jay's very maternal. Like when we were talking on the phone early on in our relationship, I was like, what is that noise? He goes, well, Sarah Ashley wants me to blow her hair out. And so he was blow, blowing his daughter's hair out for her. He's blow drying it and, you know, brushing it out and making it straight. So um, He's the perfect man. He is, he really is. He's. I mean, for me, he is. I think I got a little man crush, a little bromance uh, thing happening here. Yeah, he, that happens a lot with him. <sighs> seven kids, really? I mean, you really wanted to go through that all over again? I mean, growing up, the eldest of seven, you'd think you'd learn your lesson. Well, I'm not the eldest. I'm oh, you're the not. oldest girl. There's oh, the oldest boys, girl. Okay. Two boys ahead of me. So does that mean you're the princess in the gang? Um, Pretty much. Yeah. Because I was a tomboy, though, I'm, and I'm still a tomboy, big time. Um. And my brothers treated me like a boy, you know what I mean? I was just one of them. And then four years after I was born, my sister, next sister was born, and then it became a female-dominated family, you know, after that. 
Um, but I will say I'm closest to my brothers. I, I would, I, I think. You got a little Sandra Bullock in you. Yes, people tell me that a lot. Do they? People tell me that a lot. Sandra Bullock and Ashley Judd. Huh. I'll stick with uh, Sandra Bullock. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I've never mind. All right. uh, how many times a day do you get asked if there will be a new procreation? You know, number eight, the first Barker Evans. Matter of fact, you could call the kid Ever Barkins. I think Ever- that. <laughs> Hello. I love that name. Ever Barkins. I like Ever it. Ever Barkins, because <laughs> neither of those names are correct. I love it. Um. Can you, are you going to tell the world right now that you're pregnant? Will you be willing to say that right now? No, I am not pregnant. That would be a lie. But we are planning to have a child together. Absolutely. Right. It just has. To, it just won't be right now. I mean, maybe in a year or two. Okay. But absolutely, we want a child together, and we will name the child Jay Evans Barker. That'll work. Oh, you already know the sex? No. Okay. I really want a boy, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is it true that when you were eight, because I don't know how much we can trust this Wikipedia stuff, when you were eight, you were hit by a car in front of your house, suffered multiple broken bones in your legs, were in a wheelchair for months, and kept singing in order to pay the medical bills? That sounds like a Hallmark movie. That is all true. That's the third time I've mentioned Hallmark today. Sandra Bullock should play me in yes. my movie. Yes. In the life story of Sarah Evans. Man, that's uh, that's some kind of hurting story there. She'd be great at it. Um Yes, I broke both my legs, and um, I was in a wheelchair forever. I had multiple surgeries on my left leg. Um, the car was going 75 miles an hour Oof. and almost killed me. My poor parents. No wonder they divorced. <laughs> Man. Too much stress. <laughs> Folks, uh, country music sensation Sarah Evans on the phone. Did you ever go to music school? Well, I went to college for 11 days. <laughs> wow, that sounds like my high school career. <laughs> I got a full ride scholarship in the music program at Central Methodist College in Fayette, Missouri, and um, quit after 11 days because my brother and I discussed it at length. And he said, "If you're so miserable here, just quit. Let's get jobs. We'll save money, and let's just move to Nashville because that is our destiny. We knew it." And that is my brother, who is still in my band to this day and co-writes all my songs with me. Wow. What was it? What was it? We're like Donnie and Marie. <laughs> what? Sorry, I had another visual there. What was the absolute worstest honky tonk you ever had to sing? That old school country music your parents taught you back in Missouri when you were four. Um, I can't remember the name of it. I want to say it was called the Silver Bullet. Was there cage around the stage like the Blues Brothers? Yes. No way. Yes. Are you? <laughs> I have performed in bars as a child. That has a cage around the stage, and people fighting, and two-stepping, and, you know, requesting Reba McIntyre songs, and I would sing them. Man. Isn't that weird? And it kept me pretty grounded as a teenager, because I was like, I've seen all this. I mean, I've been in bars. I've seen people drunk. I mean, yeah. I really don't desire to do that. I know you, you've had a lot of amazing people in your life, your mother and your granny, just to name a couple. Uh, so where does this battle with insecurity come from? Feeling like you don't deserve good things. Well, I think it's because there's been a lot of drama in my life, um, starting with getting hit by a car, um, and then my parents' divorce. My parents' divorce was a huge blow, a huge blow to me. Um, And then the loss of relationship with my dad, and um, then just other other 
things that are, are real personal, but just, I don't know, I, I kind of, you know, the bottom dropped a lot for me growing up and for my siblings, and I think that I feel like, you know, that's, that's always coming. Hmm. The bottom's always going to drop, and um, it's hard for me to feel like I deserve, you know, I deserve good things. And, and you know, I've struggled in my relationship with God because, I, you know, it's true that they say you, you kind of envision God and your relationship with God is, is kind of based on your relationship with your earthly father. father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's very true, you know, where I feel a, a loss of relationship with him, a lack of interest in me by him, therefore God must feel the same way. I, you know. I'm no Dr. Phil, although we have similar hairlines. Uh, <laughs> but I think that every hard-to-shake insecurity in a woman comes from their relationship uh, with their father. I totally agree. You I think? totally agree. Yeah? Totally agree. Because everything about, you know, I really, I really think everything about boys and girls are shaped by their fathers. I mean, fathers are so incredibly important. It's so important for children, but especially girls, to know that they are loved by their father. Discipline definitely must go along with it, you know, and, and restrictions, and, you know, because that's how you know you're loved also, when you're cared about so much that you're not allowed to do everything you want. Yeah. So, um, totally agree. What happened at 21 to make you decide to surrender your life to God and start following Jesus on your own instead of living off the backs of your parents' spirituality? You know, um, I was being witnessed to by a close friend, and I finally just one night, um, and I remember sort of, you know, you know when someone starts witnessing to you, and then you kind of start thinking about it, and you grow up in church, but you never really, you know, accepted Christ as your Savior, and um, I just remember one, one time I was in a hotel for some reason, I was traveling for some reason, and I got the Bible out, the Gideon Bible, and started reading it and I remember just being really scared at the thought of really getting into it all you know because um, I think that most people think is my life going to change am I going to realize that I'm bad you know once I yeah once I, I really develop a relationship with the Lord and I, start I, reading the word I want to be convicted but not too much thank you very much yeah which we struggle with that I mean I still struggle with that daily yeah but um so I started reading the Word, and, and this friend of mine had suggested that I start with the New Testament instead of the Old Testament, because that would just confuse me a lot. And so I started with the New Testament, and I couldn't put it down. And then one night laying in bed, I just I just decided to say the prayer. And I said, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm asking you for forgiveness of my sins. I, I'm asking you to come into my heart. I don't really know what I'm saying. I just know that I'm falling in love with you, and... I want you, you know, in my life. Um, I want to live for you. I want to go to heaven when I die, you know, on and on and on. And um, and then it just kind of grew from there. I won't say that it was just like this, you know, I had this life-changing experience, but I just simply asked him into my life. I have a, being a Canadian and blessed with the spiritual gift of pessimism, um, <laughs> When I think about Christians in the United States, in the Bible Belt, in the country music scene from Nashville, you know, it seems like everybody's on the Jesus bandwagon. Right. It, it seems like a default. Do you see that around you? Do you? I mean, are you able to differentiate between cultural Christianity and genuinely following Christ? 
Yeah, I mean, I think you know, you know, for sure when when someone has to talk about it too much or they have to kind of, I don't know, it's almost like they're convincing themselves. Yeah. You know, because they go to church and because I think you just know. You, you just know by the way you talk to people. Um, because I, I truly believe, especially in the South, the South, it is difficult because there are many, many hypocrites. And there are people who, for instance, say that, you know, drinking is, is so wrong. And, like, literally you might not be a Christian if you drink. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I just reject all kinds of notions like that because it's not... Well, it's not scriptural. It's not scriptural. And that is a gray area in the Bible. The Bible cl- clearly says don't get drunk. Um, there's nothing that, is, that talks about loss of salvation or anything like that. Um, and I'm just using drinking as an example. There are a lot of things like that. Um, but then but then you totally know that they're doing it, that they're, they're doing it, even though they're saying it's so wrong to do. Yeah. I think that goes on in the South a lot, unfortunately. Um, but the thing that I do love about the South is that people are very conservative, and they don't just... You know, there is there is definitely this romantic tradition um, that people uphold. You know, and it's yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and my children are being raised saying that. You know, because we lived in Tennessee first, and now in Alabama. And, um, I love the South. I mean, I, I truly do. It's it's my favorite part of of America. Um, but you do have to be careful that you truly are, that you truly do know that you're saved, and you don't just go to church every Sunday and go to your Bible study every week and do your small group and all that, and that you're missing it. You're truly missing your relationship because God cares about your heart. He doesn't really care about your all the things that you do. You know, I've asked that question of a number of celebs from the South, and that was the best answer I've ever heard. Well, thank you. you Why? What does everybody else say? Oh, just blah, blah. Seriously, it's, it's like I've just touched on something that they don't really want to go to because they've realized they're part of that cultural Christianity BS. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, the, and so they backpedal. It's a lot of backpedaling. It's a lot of churchianity and jargon. And you, man, you have got a solid, authentic heart. You are, And the other, the other thing I like about you is you're messy. I don't like clean people. Yeah, I'm very messy, that's for sure. Yeah. Clean people scare me. It's like they're trying to sell me something. My life is messy, and it always has been. And um, you know the thing that I the thing that I care about more than anything is God. Are you happy with me? Am I nice to people? Do I treat people well? Am I generous? You know, am I doing not not? Do I drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls that do? Yeah, not that, yeah. or not. You know, should did I miss church last week? None yeah. of that. I mean, it's more like God. Am I? You know. Are, are we good? Are you are, we good? are you exhibiting uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit? Like, God is in you, then apparently you got the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is supposed to be changing you in some ways, but not in the ways that cultural Christianity is teaching us that we're supposed to be changed. We're supposed yeah. to be changed in, in the, the ways the gifts of the Spirit. Like, are you loving? Are you loving those that are really, really stinking hard to love? Mm-hmm. And really, that is all it boils down to, isn't it? It is. That's all it boils down to is, Jesus said, love others. Love God, love others. That's it. Love, love God, love others. I mean, you know, who cares if I'm? I mean, and definitely there are outward things that we have to watch because we do have to. We have to protect our witness. I mean, that's for sure. I mean, if I'm trying to say, you, 
you can go to heaven when you die. Your life can be changed. You can have salvation. You can receive forgiveness for your sins. This is what you should do. But I'm out partying and dressing like a slut and, you know, totally exhibiting a different person than, than what I just said. You know what I mean? Then that's wrong because you're, then you're not guarding your witness. You're not a good example for, you know, I mean, all those things are just common sense to me. Speaking of, uh, I think you said the word slut, <laughs> Eva Longoria Parker, Desperate Housewife, she's a big fan of yours, and you guys are buddies. And I'm not yes. so, hold on, I didn't mean to say she was a slut. I'm saying the characters on that show exhibit some of those, uh, some of the, I've never yeah. actually watched the whole thing. I don't know what I'm talking about, but. Yeah, her, char- her character is crazy, but she is nothing like that. She is a genuine, down-to-earth, um, extremely, extremely funny and extremely giving and generous. Um, you know, she she and I don't share all the same um, opinions and beliefs, but we are we became fast friends, and and I, I would call her one of my best friends. She is so sweet. But but she did not end up on uh, People Magazine's Fifty Most Beautiful People. <laughs> oh, I'm sure she has before. You know who you know who's hating on you for being on that list the most? Kathy Lee Gifford. Why? Oh, she, well, I've talked. She, her, and I have become friends over the last, well, acquaintances, friends or whatever, uh, over the last few years, and and she has said that a couple times. She, she's bitter about she's never been on that list. Bitter. Oh, is she really bitter? 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 I really like her. Yeah, I really like her. Well, she's authentic and messy, like you. You're in. You're now in the camp of like you know. I knew what I was doing when I brought you on the show. You, this is a good fit. Does, I like that word. I like that word a lot. Messy. Well, well, yeah, my the, on the on the front page of my website, there's a quote that I that kind of is the, I guess the uh, moniker for this show. Messy spirituality is the Christianity most of us live, but few of us admit. So true. Does turning forty next year mess with your head at all? Very much. <laughs> I have an extreme fear of getting old and extreme fear of dying. Really? Mm-hmm. I really do, and it messes with me so much that I sometimes really get you know really panicked about it. Like, I just don't want to be um, be there yet. You know what I mean? I am excited about the fact that I'm going to have another child, God willing, and I feel like that will make me feel young, you know? And But I'm not ready. Like, I'm not ready for my kids to get older yet. And I'm not ready. And and that is definitely something that i I got to work out with the Lord because, you know, He wants me to have peace about all that. He wants me to believe that I'm going to heaven and that I will be young and live forever, you know, in paradise. And um, But I struggle with the fact that human beings have to get old and suffer the way that they do. Yeah. My granny is in a nursing home right now with Alzheimer's so bad. I pray that God will take her home. Hmm. Just take her home. And so I get a little bit angry at God now and then about things like that because I'm like, why will you not stop her suffering? You know, um so, yes, it messes with me. I just try not to think about it. Um, I try to stay young at heart. I try to exercise a ton. And um, and there's always Botox. I know I've never done anything like that yet. <laughs> I'm trying to save it. Because I'm thinking, think about it. When I'm 50, I could have a 10-year-old. Wow. It's pretty weird. Uh, one word to describe Brad Paisley. Um. <laughs> one word. Well, late, lately, he's clumsy. Um, but Brad Paisley, I will say, um... Hold on, you can't drop that and then not give us, you know, fill in the blank. What do you mean, lately he's clumsy? He fell. Did you not see the YouTube? You've got a YouTube. He fell on stage. (laughs) 
And it was hysterical. <laughs> Did he, was he okay? He's fine. Okay. I, I, I would say the word for me to describe Brad Paisley is dry. Dry? Mm-hmm. Dry sense of humor? He has a dry sense of humor, so much so that that it's it's not always funny. <laughs> I like that guy. Alan Jackson. Oh, gosh. He's just a redneck, good old boy, great country songwriter and singer. He's just simple. Excuse me, that was not one word. I know. I'm sorry. Simple? You're going to call Alan Jackson simple? <laughs> I'm going to call him country. Okay. Kenny Chesney. Um, Delightful. Vince Gill. Sweet. It's getting sappy now. You know that. I know. You're going for all the sappy, the... What did I say already four times? Kenny's, one, Kenny's oh. one of my best friends. Oh, oh, is he? Yes, I love him. Um, this book that you're you're uh, you're all about these days, the Sweet By and By, is the mm-hmm. first release of a four book deal inked with Thomas Nelson Fiction. The second yes. book will be softly and tenderly, and is uh, to be released in January next year. So we probably shouldn't talk about that book too much because we'll confuse people. So the Sweet By and By. First of all, I can't believe no one's come up with a book title like that yet. <laughs> I know. Hey, I think there is another book called The Sweet By and By. Oh, really? Well, how did I you... think it, it came out recently, of course. That's how my... I have the worst timing, luck of timing, of anyone in the world. Like, I've become really good friends lately with Cara Diaguardi because somebody set us up to write, you know, the judge on American yeah. Idol. Yeah. And my brother said to me a while ago, I guarantee you she will arrange for you to be a guest judge on American Idol next season, and it will get canceled. I guarantee you. <laughs> That's just the way it works. Um, this is, you know, I never, writing a book is something that I never really aspired to do, especially a fiction book. Um, but, you know, Thomas Nelson thought it was a good idea and kind of talked me into it. So I just kind of thought, well, I mean, I can definitely create a story and what I want to write about is about women. I want it to be, you know, I want her to have a spiritual journey, um, I want her to have gone through a ton of stuff in her life. Abortion, parents' divorce, panic attacks, teen pregnancy. Yeah, all that, which I've never had an abortion. I want to make that very, very clear. Um, but we thought it would be a neat thing to to touch on, you know, and, and what it did to her life and kind of how it changed her. But, um, you know, and just her relationship with her mom. She has a very tumultuous re- relationship with her mom. She has a great relationship with her granny. Um you know, and it's just it's just this great look at how, you know, what parents do and the decisions that we make can really, really affect a person for life. And um, but then you know, and she Jade is a lot like me. She doesn't believe she deserves anything, and she's never had anything really go her way. Um, and not not that I haven't had anything go my way. I mean, I feel I'm so lucky and so blessed. But um. Certain things that are that mean a lot to her haven't really gone the way that she's wanted, and so it's a great book. And the second book um, gets even better. I mean, this the first book is kind of setting it all up. The second book really, really goes deep into her pain and her hurting. People have asked you time and time again how much of you is in this book, and you've touched on how much is and isn't you, but. Uh, throughout this series, as you morph, will the themes or the the styling and the and the development of character and plot will that morph as well? Is it mm-hmm. is it tied in with your journey? Yes, it's very much tied in with my journey. Um, you know, like I said, it's not an autobiography, but um, you know, it's it's it has um, 
it just has a lot of the same feelings and emotions, you know, as my life. And um, her, our journeys are similar. But definitely, I mean, we, we started writing the third book, and it's already changed. She's already kind of different than she used to be. And, it, and it's funny because, um, you know, it's been three years since they first approached me about this, and so I've changed, and so has Jade. Again, your authenticity comes out in this book. Your authenticity comes out in your lyrics, in your in your in your journey. And I, uh, I, I don't want to go down this road. Please don't see this as the wrong. I just want to uh, say straight up, I am so sorry about that crap that you have gone through. Thank you. Because that is just ridiculous, and uh, it it was evident that you are surrounded by people that really love you, and it was a testament to who you are as a person by how many people came to your defense. So. Man, I like you. I, I know Thank nothing you. about you, but I like you. You're so sweet. Thank you so much. I e- like you, too. Even though you married a radio guy. <laughs> Seriously. Listen, Sarah, um, thank you for your time. I know you're in the middle of craziness. So this is sort of a last-minute setup, but we are going to play an audio clip from the Oasis audiobook of your book, Sweet By and By, as soon as we say goodbye to you. Okay. All right, and I uh, just want to let our listeners know about that. And uh, I'm sure you're going to be coming up to Casino Rama again. I hope to see you up there maybe in the next year. Will you be touring up this way? Yes, absolutely. I have a new record coming out, and um, <clears throat> we're hoping to have a single drop in May. And so with setting up that in, in, in anticipation for the album to follow, we'll be getting really busy back on the road again. So hopefully we'll be up there. Nice. I know you got a little bit Irish in you, don't you? I, well, Welsh. Oh. Evans is Welsh. Oh. Mm-hmm. So you got no Irish in you? I don't know. Well, I really don't know. St. Patrick's Day is coming up. I'm going to give you an Irish blessing. May the Lord keep you in his hand and never close, and never close his fist too tight. Thank you. Does that work on you? That's very good. Okay. <laughs> May you be in heaven a half hour before the devil knows you're dead. There you go. That's a better one. <laughs> All right. Great to chat with you, Sarah. Thank you for your time. You too. Take care. God well, bless. You too. Bye-bye. Sarah Evans, folks, uh, she's a singer, but she's also uh, an author. And here's a little clip from her book, The Sweet By and By. This is uh, her Oasis audiobook, which uh, if you want to find out how to get that, go to our website, drewmarshall.ca, and click on Oasis Audio, and it'll take you right there. The October sun warmed the blue umbrella's office. A pool of light washed over Jade's paint-chipped desk and the box of ruby-red invitations shoved against the windowsill. Here you go, Liz. Eighty-five dollars for your aunt's antique bread box. Jade pushed the box out of the way so she could grab the check she'd printed for her customer, exposing a solitary, displaced red invitation. Barrel Hill, Prairie City, Iowa. Bless your heart, old Aunt Jenny, for never making friends with the garbage can. Liz Carlton blew a kiss at the check before folding it into her purse. Jade, I've got plenty more items to consign with you. I'm always interested. She patted the small, spry woman on the shoulder. And don't forget, you can sell some of your valuables on eBay. On eBay? Goodness, child, I'd have no idea how to... And there's the county dump. Jade walked her across the bright, polished shop to the front door. The county dump? I do believe you don't sound a bit grateful, Jade Fitzgerald. I bring in my precious family treasures for you to sell, sharing the profits with you, and what thanks do I get? A recommendation to the county dump? Liz, I appreciate your business. You know I do. But the blue umbrella is looking for timeless pieces, items with a story and a history. Last week, you brought in a bag of peeling costume jewelry and some moth-eaten sweaters. Those sweaters had a story, Jade. I told you, my great-great-granny knitted them by a coal fire. 
Jade gently slipped her arm through Liz's. After all, she was a valued client, despite her lack of vintage prowess. I'm looking for quality, not quantity, Liz. But I do admit, Jade paused at the door, your items always come with interesting stories. Liz opened the door. You wait and see what I dig up next. I'm holding my breath, Jade said with a grin. Back in her office, Jade dropped to her desk chair, sighing. Liz was entertaining, if nothing else. She surveyed the row of lime-green sticky notes running along the top of her desk, her to-do list. Her eyes fell on one sticky note, the one with the curled edges where her arm grazed over it. Mail invitations. Jade snatched up the note. The gummy adhesive was dotted with dust and lint and no longer adhered to the desk's surface. The lump she felt in her chest every time she moved the note had grown from a pebble to a rock. How much longer could she stall? The wedding was five weeks away. Hey, boss, what's up for today? Jade glanced up at Lilibeth, her sole and treasured part-time assistant. You're early today. Coach rescheduled the team meeting for Friday. The 17-year-old folded herself into the rickety metal chair beside the desk. Her blonde ponytail swished over her shoulder and a pair of tiger-striped Oakley shades rode atop her head. It's slow day Monday. Why don't you work on the Baker Estate inventory? Shouldn't you have mailed these already? Lilibeth slipped a wedding invitation from the box. You sound like my future mother-in-law. Jade took the envelope and jammed it back with the others. What about that one? Lilibeth pointed to the vanished invite. This one is special, sort of. Jade tucked it a little farther under the box. Tell me, what do you think when you hear the word invitation? You're invited, I guess, Lilibeth shrugged, making a face. Come to the party. We want to see you. Come and participate. Your presence is requested. Jade had been thinking about this for a while. Pretty much, the Whisper Hollow basketball star nodded. Is this a trick question? Do I win a prize for answering right? Money? Money? You're on the clock. You're getting paid. Jade got up and headed toward the storeroom. Come on, let me show you the baker stuff. We just had a great interview there with Sarah Evans, and that was an, a, a little clip from an Oasis audiobook of Sarah Evans' book called The Sweet By and By. If you're like me, you don't have a lot of time to just kind of hunker down and read, but you're on the go and you can put it into MP3 or CD player or whatever, I would highly recommend going to our website, drewmarshall.ca, and then click on Oasis Audio, one of our partners, and then you can order this book, this audiobook with Oasis Audio. Again, it's called The Sweet By and By. It's a, a fiction book, Sarah's first fiction, and... Uh, from what I've heard from many people, wow, quite powerful and uh, very enjoyable for a lot of folks out there that uh, would hunker down into that stuff, all right? Listen, folks, we'll be right back with some Irish stuff. Are you clear about that? You know what that's going to mean? I have no clue. Your time is important to you, but time is the one thing you can't add to your day. There's so much to do and a world of information available at your fingertips. But trying to fit in the simple pleasures of life, like taking the time to read a great book, can be tricky. So why not take advantage of the time you do have? Oasis Audiobooks have some of the best love titles for you to listen to while traveling in your car, going to the gym, or just getting things done around the house. Choose from bestsellers like The Shack, Fathered by God, The Message, and Frank Remembered, Qualities of Success, and many more. Visit OasisAudio.com and listen to sample audio clips or interviews with the authors or simply search through their incredible selection of captivating audiobooks. 
Call Oasis Audio at 1-800-323-2500. That's 1-800-323-2500. Visit OasisAudio.com and get the most out of your time. <laughs> 